Good morning, Orlando. Friday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch. We're glad you're with us here at 6 for our first check of Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming away here and now on News Radio 93.1 WFLA-FM and AM 540, I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, the inauguration investigation. We'll have details coming up in one minute. Hop aboard the Trump train. I had to add a few cars this morning. There's so much to talk about, and we'll get to it next on Good Morning Orlando. 602 on News Radio 93.1. Federal authorities are reportedly investigating President Trump's inaugural committee for possible criminal activity. The Wall Street Journal reports federal prosecutors are looking into whether the committee misused funds and gave big donors access to the administration. The committee in a statement saying its finances were fully audited and accounted. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders telling Fox News. The president was focused on the transition and building out a new government and preparing to take office. The role that the president had in the inauguration was to raise his hand and take the oath. The committee raised a record $107 million from donations. Steve Rappaport, Fox News. President Trump's former lawyer is talking after he was sentenced to prison for illegal hush money payments and bank and tax fraud. Michael Cohen will sit down with George Stephanopoulos for an interview airing today on ABC's Good Morning America. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An online bomb threat hoax spread nationwide, including here in central Florida yesterday. In Seminole County, several schools were placed on lockdown after a threat was emailed to a nearby business. The email said a bomb in the business's building would be detonated unless the company sent $20,000 in Bitcoin. Similar emails went to other local businesses, including the Bank of America Center Tower on Orange Avenue downtown and the Orlando Science Center. But the threats were determined to be fake. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm glad it was fake, and I hope they get this nailed down who's responsible. Isn't Bitcoin, like, worthless now? I mean, you'd have to bring in a tractor trailer load of Bitcoin to get to twenty grand. Am I right on that, Yaffe? I think so. I'm not sure. I mean, it went really high no, for a while, I think but then it's crashed. About worthless, I think. Anyway, what else going on, Alan? Well, the president of the Florida Senate, Bud, says embattled Broward County election supervisor Brenda Snipes will not be getting a hearing from the state legislature and is out of a job. Brenda Snipes submitted a letter of resignation November 18th, effective January 4th. She rescinded that letter after the governor suspended her from office on December 3rd. But Senator Bill Galvano says Snipes lost the right to withdraw her resignation as soon as the governor took action. And so once you, you had that activity occur, a new uh, supervisor was appointed, the in ability to just rescind and, and go back uh, was lost. Snipes became a poster child for electoral dysfunction in Florida because of slow vote counts in Broward County. In Tallahassee, Rick Flagg, News Radio 93.1, WFLA. UCF says a new program will help students graduate in less time and with less debt. The school announced this week that the Constellation Fund will offer an extra $40 million in scholarship money over the next few years. And over the next month or so, the school will come up with a plan for distributing that money. A stunning finish on Thursday night football as the Chargers came from behind for a 29-28 win over the Chiefs at Kansas City. San Diego quarterback Phillip Rivers hit Mike Williams with a one-yard TD pass with four seconds left and then found Williams again for the two-point conversion to win it. Williams said he was wide open on the two-pointer. It was double-teaming me uh, every time I was in the slot, almost every time down there. So... On that one, they both left me wide open, so I was like, 
I'll take it and win the game. The Chargers and Chiefs are tied atop the AFC West at 11-3. and Both teams have clinched playoff berths. Unbelievable comeback. I was reading this morning, and I've only seen a few highlights. Can't stay up for these games, you know, all the way to the end. That it, This is in Kansas City, and the high-flying Chiefs are almost impossible to beat there. And, and, and they scored the Chargers the last 15 points of the game with inside the last three or four minutes of the game, and they could have tied it, go to overtime. Coach said, let's get the two-pointer and win it, and by God, they did. Gutsy decision. It really was. WFLA News Time is 6.06. KFC is selling fried chicken fire logs because, well... They smell K- like fried chicken, probably. KFC, yeah, you want your... Home to smell like fried chicken for the season. Wow. You get these fried chicken fire logs. No kidding. You get them at KFC? Where do we find out about this? Uh, Well, you can find out more online, bud, at WFLAOrlando.com. Funny you should ask. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando. Where do I go to get sirloin steak fire logs? That's what I want. I, bud, you got me there. Or maybe peanut butter sandwich fire logs. Yeah, absolutely. we got to find out about this. You go to KFC to get... Melissa, get on this, will you? I want to find out where we actually get this. And I can't go to the website. Now i got a show to host. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm, I'm on just it. still... Peanut butter sandwich ones? Yeah, I, I was a little amazed. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, come on. They made me what I am. Couldn't they smell like uh, uh, holiday well, cookies or something? That would be good. Yes, <laughs> I think we're on to something. How Maybe. about you just make cookies in the oven oh, and well. your house smells like cookies? I uh, took all the fun out of that. Oh, uh, gee, that's a good idea. Mm. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> Someone making cookies yeah how about you just go to kfc buy some chicken and bring it home and your house will smell like chicken all right gang we gotta go i'm watching the clock here alan specter my co-host will be back with the news whenever it uh, breaks in the bottom of the hour as well and uh weighing in on the conversation of the moment along with yaffe our executive producer and melissa who's in for steph and is screening your calls if you want to get in on all that we're uh laying on the line with a trump train here in just a moment so much going on, I had to add a few extra cars to the Trump train. Um, you, you give me a call at 407-916-5400, toll-free, 866-916-5400. Hit the text line at 23680, or standard message and data rate supply. It's Friday on the 50,000-watt front porch. Delighted to have you with us. It's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. And from your cell, hit pound 250, keyword real estate. Up next, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in just two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. The long-standing White House Christmas party held every year by the sitting president and inviting all of the press and the journalists and the executives of the media companies. They get the run of the White House. They feast on all the goodies from the White House chefs. It is off. The president said, sorry, no invitation. I haven't heard a whole lot of coverage of this, the anti-Trump media, you know. But the fact of the matter is, Yaffe, uh, we've hosted a lot of Christmas parties, and I can never remember a time when I invited anybody who I didn't like, or they didn't like me, and we never have invited any of our enemies to any Christmas party ever. So why in the world would the Trumps Continue this ritual. 
with the press. <laughs> That's the, a really good point. The big party is off. Way I, to go, Mr. President and First Lady Melania. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, I was trying to go through back all the Christmas parties, and you're right. I don't remember any. We vo- we invited all the people that don't like us. Yeah, invite your friends, right? You invite your family, you invite your friends. You don't invite your enemies, okay? Exactly the right call. That would be like you inviting Alan Grayson to one of your yes, parties. Yes, <laughs> it would be. It would be a lot like that. Probably not happening. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, so as uh, Alan told you, uh, Michael Cohen, who's headed for prison for three years, um, convicted of multiple charges, the president's old fixer and lawyer, is going to be on ABC's Good Morning Orlando. Melissa says it's in the 7 o'clock hour. We will monitor that for you. First interview is given since being convicted earlier this week of lying to Congress and multiple other offenses. Um, the Trump has been talking to Fox News and Harris Faulkner yesterday in an afternoon interview, and here he is saying, listen, when it comes to Cohen... He did all kinds of things wrong, Cohen, but Trump didn't tell him to do anything wrong. Let me tell you, I never directed him to do anything wrong. Whatever he did, he did on his own. He's a lawyer. A lawyer who represents a client is supposed to do the right thing. That's why you pay them a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. And Trump defending himself against those who claim that he's guilty of an illegal campaign finance violation here with what he got into with Cohen's Trump says no sorry not so everything I've done is fully legal if it were even a campaign contribution is totally legal you look at stories one after another they're all legal the great lawyers that do that stuff are saying there's nothing illegal all right and now let's move on to the Michael Flynn situation remember for a brief time the former general was the national security advisor for Trump at the beginning of his administration uh, in early 2017. Now, he's going to be sentenced next Tuesday, and uh, we don't know. He may do a little prison time, no prison time, several years prison time. We don't know on that, but it's interesting. Right now, there's a judge who's really mad at the likes of fired FBI Director James Comey and Robert Mueller and the rest of his gang over at the uh, special counsel uh, probe. And, um, and, and it may be in Mike Flynn's favor. Um, one of the problems is the judge, who's a federal judge who doesn't put up with this nonsense, federal judge Emmett Sullivan, um, he's really angry over what happened to Mike Flynn when a couple of FBI agents showed up at the White House to interview him bypassed the White House counsel, and Flynn was sitting there being interviewed without legal representation. And that's not the way the game should go. FBI director at the time, James Comey, admits sending a couple of FBI agents over to the White House to interview Flynn without going through White House channels. Here he is. I sent them. Something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration, in the George W. Bush administration, for example, or the Obama administration. And the judge is outraged over this, and he has ordered Mueller to turn over all the government's documents and memoranda related to Flynn's questioning here, and the deadline on that is 3 o'clock today. Trouble for Comey, trouble for Mueller, and those who are out to... Send Mike Flynn up the river for as long as they can, said Trump 
in a tweet, they gave General Flynn a great deal because they were embarrassed by the way he was treated. The FBI said he didn't lie, and they overrode the FBI. They want to scare everybody into making up stories that are not true by catching them in the smallest of misstatements. We will see how that goes. Jonathan Turley is one of the legal experts, the attorney and a legal professor, law professor. Here he is blasting Comey and Mueller for what they did to Flynn. Listen to the words he uses. The agents at the time said, apparently, that they didn't believe he was lying. And then Mueller decided to go back and charge him. It became a canned hunt. They put this guy in a cage, and they shot him. Wow. Powerful stuff. In a moment, Trump, the wall, and new entries in the chief of staff sweepstakes. Yaffe, I understand on the text line, uh, Mike Flynn's got some allies here. It looks like he's got an ally in that judge who's really mad at uh, Comey and Mueller and is putting the hammer down on him. Who knows? It it might be ultimately that he doesn't get any prison time. Uh, This could be to Flynn's benefit. What are the texters weighing in with here? Uh, Yeah, one person said General Flynn should be acquitted and the judge should throw the case out. Yeah. Another one saying... What, Melissa? Does he have a GoFundMe page, right? What's the answer to that? You looked into it. Yes, somebody set up a GoFundMe page for General Michael Flynn's legal fund. They've uh, raised about $4,000 right now. But there's also a regular legal fund set up. He's like, I'll accept donations from anyone who is a United States citizen. All right, interesting. Let's go back now to the Trump train, shall we? And the whole issue of the border wall here. The more and more I think about this, I think the president ought to be willing to shut the government down a week from today on the 21st. A partial shutdown is all it would be to get the wall funded, not to the tune of $5 billion, but the $25 billion it will take to really do it right everywhere it is needed across the Mexican border, okay? There are some places you don't probably need a wall because nobody can get there anyway because of natural barriers or whatever. But at any rate... The Trump, um, the Trump train on the wall. President blasting Democrats here, who from Obama to Schumer, you'll recall, not all that many years ago, supported a wall to cut out illegal immigration. The fact is, they've always supported fences and walls and partitions. But you know what? They only don't want to do it because of me. Whatever it takes to get border security, I will do it. I pledged that a long time ago, and I will pledge it always. I am with you, Mr. President. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. And then there is this. John Kelly is leaving as chief of staff. Apparently, he and Trump are hardly talking now, if you're to believe the media reports. And that's a stretch, usually. Um, But at any rate, Chris Christie, who's, you know, no longer the governor of New Jersey, uh, tough, plain-spoken lawyer with a, with, a, with a lot of credentials in this regard. He was in for a chat with the president about this yesterday. Then there are those who are encouraging Trump to choose as his next chief of staff, Yaffe, his own son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Now, I see some upside in this uh, because I think, you know, he's married to Ivanka, his dear daughter here. And, uh, you know, I think they would get along, and he'd be inclined to listen to him and trust yeah. him because it is family and he sure doesn't want to run afoul of Ivanka, you know, if he really starts laying in to Jared Kushner publicly, as he has, and perhaps with justification, with John Kelly at times. 
Yeah, and I think uh, Trump already likes Jared a lot because he's given Jared a lot of responsibility already in the administration. But then there's the politics of Jared and Ivanka. Yeah, exactly. The one downside is Ivanka and Jared are known to be pretty liberal on stuff. So that could, you know, you want that voice in his ear, in Trump's ear. The voice I wanted in his ear was the great conservative um, House Freedom Caucus uh, congressman, Mark Meadows, um, it's not going to happen. He's going to continue uh, in Congress out of North Carolina. Trump administration saying publicly, I don't know if there's another backstory here, I don't know it, but that we need him in Congress. You know, I think Meadows would have been absolutely great. But anyway, that is the very latest here on the Trump train this morning. I told you, we've been going a half an hour on this. We've had to put a couple of extra cars on. <laughs> All right. But we are now, we are now getting off the Trump train and moving on to other things. It's Free Movie Friday here. How'd you like to go to one of the new flicks that are out? I mean, that Clint Eastwood movie, The Mule, that looks fascinating to me. I can't believe this guy's still making movies and starring in them and directing me at age 88. It's amazing. That starts, um, I think it just started some theaters last night. Anyway, how'd you like to go to the movie of your choice free? It can happen through Adam Tickets. Just text them now. Text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1. That's 28661 for your chance to win free movie tickets. And uh, happy Free Movie Friday from all of us here on Good Morning Orlando. Florida carries out an execution. I told you a little bit about that. Alan Spector, my co-host and our news guy now, will tell you more in a moment. And the magic, playing another one in Mexico City. Good morning, Orlando, for the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250 keyword real estate. And good morning to you. Glad you're with us at 629. Well, it's not often we carry out the death penalty anymore here in the state of Florida, Alan, but it has happened. A killer was executed by lethal injection last night, bud, at Florida State Prison in Stark. 55-year-old Jose Jimenez was condemned for the brutal stabbing death of a woman during a burglary in her Miami-Dade apartment in 1992. The sentence of the state of Florida versus Jose Jimenez was carried out at 9.48 p.m. The execution took place without incident. He had no last statement. Correction spokeswoman Michelle Gladdy, the execution was delayed for three hours for a last-minute appeal for a stay to the U.S. Supreme Court, which was denied. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A record-setting 5.9 million Floridians will travel 50 miles or more for the final holidays of the year. That's the most since AAA began tracking holiday travel in 2001. Mark Jenkins with the Auto Club says with all that activity, stay safe. You know, there are a lot of distractions this time of year, and many people are in a big rush. So AAA just encourages drivers to slow down, to reduce distractions while you're behind the wheel, and don't drive impaired. We want to make sure that everyone makes it home for the holidays. Jenkins says low gas prices and a strong economy continue to drive up demand for seasonal travel. A heads up for drivers in downtown Orlando this weekend. The Princeton Street under uh, Bridge under uh, Interstate 4 is closing from 5 a.m. tomorrow to 5 a.m. on Monday. That's to allow crews to remove portions of the old I-4 bridge over Princeton Street. The all eastbound and westbound I-4 ramps at the interchange will remain open. The CDC is warning folks not to eat romaine lettuce if they don't know where it came from. In an updated warning about a recent E. coli outbreak in Romaine, the CDC said you need to make sure that your lettuce hasn't come from the central coast growing regions of northern and central California. If there is not a label telling consumers where the lettuce came from, you should not eat it. 
Nick Vucevic scored 26 points, including the go-ahead jumper with 28 seconds left as the Orlando Magic edged the Chicago Bulls 97-91 in Mexico City last night. Nice. Vucevic also grabbed 10 rebounds in the win south of the border. We knew this trip wasn't going to be easy. I know the Bulls, we know that they had a tough week behind them, and we, they knew, we knew they were going to regroup and try to you know, play better, which they did. It was a tough game, not a lot of scoring, uh, but we found a way at the end. It was a, g- a good win for us, you know, maybe can put us back on track, and uh, we can focus now on uh, Utah for Saturday. The Magic snapped a three-game slide, and as Nick said, they'll play again in Mexico City tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. WFLA News Time is 6.36. I'm Alan Spector, News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. Time now on Good Morning Orlando for the Bloomberg Business Report with Gina Cervetti. Right, Alan, let's bring her in now live on a Friday morning from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. And good morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. Well, I'm taking a look at your uh, headlines here, and it looks like that Wall Street roller coaster turned into a kiddie ride yesterday, and I think we all needed a little relief yes. from the up and down, right? It's okay sometimes for the uh, the kiddie ride, at least <laughs> yeah. in a case like this. Something a little tamer, as we like to say yep. here. Right now, though, but the futures are tracking global markets lower, and it does look like we're headed for some losses at the open on Wall Street. We live in a global economy these days, and the latest data out of China on China's economy showed ongoing weakness there. But as you point out, sentiment has remained fragile as we come to the end of the week, investors initially taking some comfort from encouraging signs in the global trade war. More encouraging news on that front this morning. Just briefly here, China will remove the retaliatory duty on automobiles imported from the U.S. for three months starting January 1st. But yesterday, Mm -hmm. we had the broader market little changed in the end, and that is the S&P 500. It was down less than a point to 2651. The Dow edged higher, rising 70 points, or about three-tenths percent, to 24,597. We have the NASDAQ down 28. The Bloomberg Orlando Index fell by about six-tenths percent. One thing we're watching for today, Mm -hmm. the latest on retail sales. So that's a Pretty important data point to look for this morning. All right, and you just referenced uh, Orlando a moment ago, and you've got another story for, you know, here in the uh, in the Sun Belt, Orlando and, and other places. I mean, people are just flocking here, uh, it seems, in greater numbers than ever from big cities up north like Chicago. And it's about more than the weather, isn't it, Gina? It certainly is. Uh, Dallas, in fact, leads all U.S. cities as the largest net gainer of residents last year, with 246 people arriving every day, according to a Bloomberg analysis of 2017 census data. After Dallas comes Sunbelt Beacons, Phoenix, Tampa, Atlanta, and Orlando, rounding out the top five. Orlando, bud, gained 125 people per day last year. Who's losing residents? Chicago, as you point out, Mm -hmm. New York and Los Angeles. All of those cities saw an exodus of more than 100 people every day. Soaring home prices, high local taxes are pushing local residents out and scaring off potential movers from other parts of the country. And the trend continues. Hey, um, let's talk television right now, shall we? If you want to find the most scripted TV shows, we have a Bloomberg item for you from Gina right now, suggesting we need to look somewhere other than traditional broadcast and cable. What's the story? 
Yes, those two areas are producing fewer scripted television shows, underscoring the huge shift of programming toward the streaming platforms. Research from FX Networks showed online services such as Netflix and Amazon boosted their output by 37 percent to 160 programs, but the overall number of scripted shows rose less than 2 percent for the slowest growth in at least seven years this year. Well, we all are familiar with fake news. Now we got something about, I guess, what passes for fake Legos here. And Legos gone to court about this. What's going on? Yeah, there's a hearing set for today in Connecticut, in New Haven, where Lego is asking a federal court to stop Walmart from selling what it says are Lego copycats of its minifigures. The Danish toy maker wants a judge to prevent Zuru toys from selling products Lego says would confuse consumers into thinking they were Legos. Not the first time we've seen companies go to bat in a big way to make sure that something that looks a little similar is... Uh, is not going to be sold. We'll see what happens. As I said, hearing set for today in New Haven, Connecticut on this one. We'll watch for it. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend, Gina. Always great having you with us. Enjoy the rest of the day in New York City, and we'll look for you Monday morning. Thanks, bud. You too. All right. Thank you so much. Coming up here, we had um, we have this commission that is looking in the wake of the Parkland School Massacre in Broward County last Valentine's Day, 17 dead, 17 wounded. Um, we have a commission now that is putting together recommendations on what needs to be done to keep our, our schools safe. And there is shocking news in what they have uncovered about what schools could be doing, but many are not doing, to protect your kids. Things that cost little or no money not being done. Parents, you should be outraged by what I'm about to share with you, and I would like you to join the conversation when we get to it, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic again. And that's coming your way in just two minutes right here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. The Budman here with my co-host, Alan Spector. Yaffe, our executive producer. Melissa in for staff screening calls. And we are focusing 10 months after the Parkland School Massacre in Broward County on the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Public Safety Commission 400-page-plus draft report that just came out. Final report due by law on the 1st of January with a host of analyses and recommendations on what needs to be done uh, statewide in our public schools to save lives the next time, God forbid, we have a mass shooter on a school campus. And what is chilling to me, gang, in the finding here, and we want you to weigh in on this as you hear more, 407-916-5400, particularly parents and students, I would want your reaction to what we're about to share with you that they have found in this commission report. The focus is on the things schools could be doing that would cost them little or no money that too many schools, for whatever reason, are not doing. It's amazing to think that schools wouldn't do, particularly when there's not a price tag to something, everything they could in the wake of Parkland. Shocking, shocking. I, it really is, Alan. And uh, uh, listen to this. Um, ten months after the, the killings on Valentine's Day and nine months after this law was signed, not all schools, believe it or not, are conducting the code red drills. You know, the, the modern equivalent of the old fire drill in schools. They're just not doing it. It's amazing to think about that. There are schools that could 
that could arrange for there to be what they call hard corners, safe corners in classrooms, where if, when somebody opens fire, students could go and have a chance of being out of the line of fire, that there could be a lot of doors locked and gates that are locked and staffed, and that is not being done at a whole bunch of schools, and it is outraging the head of the commission, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri. Um, it's pretty incredible, he finds, and he is absolutely right. He says a culture change is necessary for school districts and law enforcement officials. He says with so much of this, if there's a will, there's a way, and the culture has to change. It has to be viewed with a sense of urgency. He says too many schools, you know, they drag their feet. They find all kinds of ways not to get things done. You know, we're here to educate. We're not here to get into security and deal with arming teachers or whatever. Uh, he says, listen, Gualteri says, you got to get on board with this gang. You can't teach dead kids. And I think he's right. Many schools, not all of them, but many schools the commission has found statewide are not doing the things that they could do for security that cost little or nothing to do. Why this is not a number one priority, I don't understand, especially in the wake of the Parkland shooting and the constant reminders we get of shootings since then. In fact, yesterday, not in Florida, but elsewhere, there was a middle school where a shooter was uh, gunned. Actually, he took his own life. A 14-year-old kid had brought a gun to school, uh, but someone tipped off authorities in time for them to get there and take care of the situation before any students or faculty at the uh, particular campus were hurt. Uh, And and this was not in Florida, but um, we hear about this all the time. Why isn't this top of mind uh, as something that needs to be taken care of. Well, Guattari, the sheriff and the head of this commission here, the Pinellas County Sheriff, says, you know, everything in a lot of these school districts, the answer they get back, everything's about no. Everything's about why it can't be done. Everything's about why it's too hard. And woe is us that we're here to educate. We're here to teach. And this little menacing security thing is a pain. And they don't want to confront it and deal with it. And they find out ways not to do the things they could And Gualtieri says, and it's harsh when he says it, but it's so true. We can't teach dead kids, gang. How do you account for this? The idea you need a culture change? For God's sakes, a basic basic humanity would dictate that immediately you would do everything you can do, particularly the things that don't cost much or any money. And you could be running code red drills. They've found that many school districts are not. You know, uh, my kids are all grown now. I don't have to worry about it as far as they're concerned. I have a granddaughter, though, who's going to turn two next month. Every time I hear about a school shooting, I think about her going to school in a few years, and it frightens me to death. What I want is I want your reaction to this, and I'm going to get um, uh, Yaffe and I'm going to get Melissa on board with this as well. The, the, the issue here is not exactly what you think we need to be doing. These are the things the commission has identified, and they've they've told all the school districts, all right, this is what you need to do. Code red drills, active shooter drills, you know, establish hard corners, safe corners in schools. Make sure that you have doors that are locked. You know, I have a lot of situations in classrooms where you can't lock the doors from the inside to keep somebody out. You got an active shooter, you're not going outside to lock the door from the outside. You know, bring in a locksmith, get that done. That cost is not going to kill you. Um, I want to know what you think about the findings here about all that is not being done at too many schools 10 months after this horrendous massacre at Parkland. You're next, right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. 
Headlines right now, and while we're talking about school security post-Parkland school massacre 10 months ago, we remind you that today is the sixth anniversary of the massacre at the elementary school up in Connecticut, the Sandy Hook massacre, 20 little kids and some staff members dead, 26 bodies total. And uh, and here we are, you know, and, and we see this, as Alan pointed out, you know, it isn't just Parkland, but you go all the way back to Sandy Hook and a lot of them in between all the way back to Columbine in 1999. And now we are finding with this commission that a lot of schools are just flat out not doing the things they could do at little or no cost to make our schools safer. And I don't know how in the world you explain that. You certainly can't defend it in my world. Yaffe, Melissa, your thoughts? Well, you know, I was just thinking it is there are the chance of you having a school shooter is very low. Of course. But the chance of you having a fire is also pretty low. But all schools do fire drills, to my understanding. You should at least do some basic things just in case because it can happen. I haven't been in a car wreck in 30 years. Yeah, I was going to say you need to knock some wood. But I (laughs) put on my seatbelt every time I start the engine. Why would I not do that? That's a good point. It does. You know what I found, but I have a few friends who are teachers here in uh, Central Florida. They just don't think it's going to happen to them. That is that is the most dangerously naive thinking. I think it's a mental defense mechanism because you don't want to confront something as terrifying as this. You right. put your head in the sand as an adult. I get kids are that way. I, it's amazing to me that adults would be that way. But also, with the, some of my te- friends are uh, elementary school teachers, and they don't want to scare the kids. So I, I get that, but there's still got to be a way to embrace these, you know, these drills. Well, then they ought to demand that out. when the school is in session, that these things that aren't being done about making sure you can lock schoolroom doors from the inside, that you have a way to mask the window in the door so a mass killer like Nicholas Cruz can't see in. And he did see in, and he opened fire through the glass, and people died who didn't have to. Tell him if you can't scare your kids, get the doggone administration on the job to get these things done that in the grand scheme of things cost peanuts. Yes. You preach, Uncle Bud. Well, I am. And how about the texters? Are they with me on this or what? Um, some are with you, but some are not. One person says, though, that they're trying to teach the students to be closed-minded, and this is just another example. Another person blames the teachers' union. I'm not sure how that would apply. I don't well, know why they okay, would be... a liberal union, yeah. liberal administrations in academia, they're anti-gun, you know, so they just seem to have a problem with, with, you know, with sucking it up and doing what is needed in confronting the world of reality. You know, it's really interesting you brought up the anti-gun aspect. We have our uh, liberal texter who said this, said, uh, great, let's put the burden on the victims for our society's sick idolatry of guns, basically making the, coin, the point that we should go after the guns not think about safety of the schools. And I think that's how a lot of teachers and a lot of people on the left think. They don't want to talk about the safety aspects because they would much prefer to go after the guns. Let me tell you, the final commission report comes out on the 1st of January. That is the law passed after the Parkland massacre. And the head of the commission, the Pinellas County Sheriff Bob Gualtieri, whom I admire more every single time I see him or read anything he is saying related to school security, he is the chairman of this uh, commission. He wants for schools who do not do these things through the legislature, 
sanctions to be applied, financial penalties for schools that do not do these things that are affordable to do and unconscionable and dangerous not to do, and officials who drag their feet or obstruct that process be removed from their positions. If that's what it takes, we're talking about lives here. That's the most disturbing thing about this uh, draft report, more than 400 pages long, that I was able to uncover. We ever in a Boy Scouts, guys? Your sons, grandsons in scouting? Scouting's been around since 1910. May not be around much longer. The Boy Scouts on the ropes, plummeting membership. My question to you, and we'll welcome your input and and the team here in Good Morning Orlando as well in the next hour. Who and what are killing the Boy Scouts? We'll talk about it. Stay tuned. Good Morning Orlando rolls into the second hour in a moment here from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your sale, pound 250 keyword real estate. Michael Cohen's talking and a SeaWorld investigation is ending. Alan Spector, my co-host, bringing us the news, and he will have it all in just a moment. Good morning, Orlando at 6.59 now. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Friday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA-FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning... Michael Cohen is talking. We'll have details coming up in one minute. My question to you, who and what are killing the Boy Scouts? Let's talk next on Good Morning Orlando. 702 on News Radio 93.1. Former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen is speaking out for the first time since he was sentenced to federal prison for illegal hush money payments and bank and tax fraud. He sat down for an interview with ABC's Good Morning America and said then-candidate Donald Trump was aware that the payments made to silence women ahead of the election could land them in trouble. And he's speaking now, and we are monitoring it, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, Bud, federal authorities are reportedly opening a criminal investigation into President Trump's inaugural committee. The Wall Street Journal reports the probe is focusing on whether the committee misused funds and whether big donors gave money in exchange for access to the incoming administration. Appearing on Fox's The Story with Martha McCallum, White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders says this has nothing to do with the president. The president was focused on the transition and building out a new government and preparing to take office. The role that the president had in the inauguration was to raise his hand and take the oath. Same thing for the first lady. She wasn't engaged in this process. The committee raised a record $107 million from donations. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. SeaWorld Parks and Entertainment has broken ground on its new Central Florida headquarters. The 40,000-square-foot, three-story building will be located at SeaWorld Orlando and is expected to open next fall. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice is closing its investigation into SeaWorld. The probe began when SeaWorld officials allegedly misled investors about the negative impact the documentary Blackfish was having on their parks. The company and two former executives agreed to pay more than $5 million to settle federal fraud claims made by the Securities and Exchange Commission. SeaWorld officials say the DOG, uh, DOJ rather, has notified them it will not be taking any action. Looks like uh, SeaWorld's done a pretty good job of putting all of this behind them, and they're kind of transforming themselves into more 
of a thrill ride theme park, you know, than what SeaWorld once was. And their financial reports have been reflecting that. And attendance is up. Broward County's former supervisor of elections will not get the chance to clear her name in a legislative hearing. Brenda Snipes was blamed for the slow vote count in Broward last month and decided to resign. When the governor suspended her from office, she withdrew the letter of resignation and demanded a trial by the Florida Senate. But Senate President Bill Galvano says Snipes lost her right to rescind the resignation when the governor took action. The very short explanation is this. There was an unconditional uh, resignation that took place on November 18th, effective January 4th. And since her resignation takes effect before the Senate meets, Galvano says there's no reason to hold a hearing. I think in most places of work, if you resign, you don't get to unresign. You only get one shot at that, right? Is that the way that works? I think so. I'll keep that in mind, bud. <laughs> no, don't go, don't go. <laughs> A dramatic ending to Thursday night football at Kansas City. San Diego's Phillip Rivers hit Mike Williams on a one-yard touchdown pass with four seconds left, and then he hit Williams again for a two-point conversion, and the Chargers pulled off an unlikely come-from-behind 29-28 victory over the Chiefs. San Diego's in the playoffs, and Rivers says he's glad to have another shot at the postseason. I think you always talk about winning the division, but you just want to spot. You know, you just want to give yourself a chance. The seasons are tough, you know. Even the years where all the years we've been in the playoffs, we've been eliminated. But we gave ourselves a chance. The Chargers and Chiefs are tied atop the AFC West at 11-3. and WFLA News Time is 7.06. A bad Santa rips off his beard and swears at kids at a Christmas <laughs> event in England. Oh, no. That story is online at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. You're never more than 10 minutes away from the latest news, weather, and traffic. News Radio 93.1 WFLA. The voice of mine, new co-host Alan Spector here. How about some coal in the stocking of the bad Santa? Apparently, apparently there was a fire alarm that went off, and uh, he jumps out of his chair, rips <laughs> off the beard, and is, says, kids, get the... Out of here. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a Seinfeld episode. I'm I'm certain. George it, ran out about everybody else. Remember that? Oh, that's the fire yeah. in the nursing home or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. Out of my way. He took care of himself first. Don't worry, kids. It's not the real Santa Claus. He would never do such a thing. Ho, ho, ho. The Get boys... the blank out of here. No, man. Listen, you know, the, the Boy Scouts of America, I mean, they are facing bankruptcy right now. Attendance is plummeting. Sexual abuse allegations, they've let in gay scouts, gay um, uh, scout leaders, etc. Things aren't working for the Boy Scouts, and they may not be with us much longer. They've been an American institution since 1910. My question to you, and I have some thoughts on this, and I'm sure the rest of our gang here, um, Alan and, uh, and Yaffe and Melissa, who's in for Steph and screening our calls this morning, do as well. But if I asked you this question, who and what are killing the Boy Scouts, how would you answer that question? We're here for you at 407-916-5400. On the phone, our toll-free is 866-916-5400. Text line 23680, a standard message, and data rates apply. Who and what are killing the Boy Scouts? Particularly like to hear that from those of you who are in scouting, have kids in scouting, or were in scouting yourselves. And there are a lot of you out there on the 50,000-watt front porch. What's happened to the Boy Scouts? What would it take to save them and make them 
in presidential parlance, great again. Talking about the Boy Scouts. Next on Orlando's News, Weather and Traffic, here in two minutes, we'll have the latest update on Good Morning Orlando. Who and what's killing the Boy Scouts? They're hemorrhaging members. And they may be facing bankruptcy. The Wall Street Journal broke the report talking about sinking membership and multiple controversies surrounding the Boy Scouts, including sex abuse allegations and their controversial decision to change their program name from Boy Scouts to Scouts BSA. They brought in openly gay scouts, opened the door to them in 2013, and to openly gay scoutmasters in 2015. Transgenders allowed now as well. 2018, they allow girls into the Boy Scouts. Membership down from over 4 million at its peak to 2.3 million members, and it may be fewer than that. Um, What's doing it? Is the majority of potential Boy Scout um, families turned off by the accommodation for these minorities? Openly gay scoutmasters? Maybe somebody says, I'm not sending my kid into that environment. Uh, I, I think it's more complicated than that. I wonder whether we have a different kind of kid today in America, you know, into the video games and creating their own virtual world, not into camping trips and uh, climbing mountains and physical fitness tests to earn a merit badge and all of those things traditionally that were what being a Boy Scout was all about, kind of what I would call the wimpification of the upcoming generation in America. And, you know, whether... uh Taking these controversies and putting them aside for a second, uh, my question is, uh, do young people, as you're kind of alluding to, find the Boy Scouts still cool? Something that they they aspire to, they want to be a part of. Yeah, well, it concerns me if they don't, because I think that this is this prepares you for the real world as an adult. You know, you've got to come up, you're tough, you're competitive, you're active, you're adventuresome. You can rub two sticks together and make a fire. Yes, you can. <laughs> right. Which as could opposed, be important one day. As yes. opposed to, you know, only causing a fire by shorting out your video game. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What you about know, it, gang? You know, I used to be a youth pastor a few years ago, and the kids that I would teach, they were only like five or six years younger than me at the time. But the difference just in those five and six years was amazing to me. They are not into that kind of stuff anymore. They're not into going outdoors and or being athletic or anything like See, that. See, that's what I'm not reading anywhere, and I, I, I think I put my finger on it, and, and, and yeah. you are as well. We may have a different kind of kid here, and I'm really concerned about where that takes us you know, as a society when they become adults. Lisa's in Winter Garden joining us from West Orange County. Who and what is killing the Boy Scouts? What do you think, Lisa? Have I got it? Line two? I'm sorry. I thought we were ready to go there. Let's go to the text line. Yeah, you got a lot of incoming there. That's for sure. Uh, yes, bud. One person said uh, the far left destroyed the Boy Scouts by demanding girls be allowed to join and fighting more rights for uh, gay men and gay scout leaders. A lot of texting going on right now. I'm going to go back to line two and try to connect with Lisa in Winter Garden. Good morning, Lisa. Welcome aboard. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. It's a pleasure to speak with you. It's all, it's from all of us. It's great to have you on the show. What's your thought on this? Thank you. Well, as a mother, a mother of two boys, um, given what's taking place in the Boy Scouts, I would never allow my sons to be involved in the Boy Scouts. 
It doesn't represent at all what I think the Boy Scouts started as. Well, let's get very specific. What is it about the changes in the Boy Scouts that are not for you and your son? I would not allow my sons to be in an organization that openly supports gay um, leaders. I don't have a problem with people being gay, being transgender. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and I, you know, that's not my belief, but it's not my place to judge them. You're, you're living, uh, let live, but you're not going to expose your kids to an environment like that. I hear you. I've got a scoutmaster on line one. Uh, Dave, welcome aboard. You're on with the gang here on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, bud. How you doing? Oh, we're all doing well, and we're glad you're with us. What can you tell us on this? So I'll give you a little insight. Our our church, or excuse me, our troop and pack are chartered by a church. Um, our pack was actually, which is the youngest kids, was actually getting really low, and I wasn't really too keen on the new girls and Boy Scouts thing, but it actually has about, I mean, a thousand percent increase in the amount of kids we have in the pack. And the, the parental involvement is it's off the charts. It's really kind of amazing to me. Um, I, you know, I have one of my sons is in the pack and one's in the troop. Um, the troop's doing well, you know. Um, and, I, and I would like to explain something, too, and I may be going a little off topic. Well, I need, I need you to get really focused. How do you explain what's going on in the Boy Scouts in general? Four million members not long ago, 2.3, and shrinking by the day. What is killing the Boy Scouts, even if things may be going well in your scouting world? Okay, overall, our troops are up. But, you know, I think overall there's a misconception. Of, you know, I go to church. You know, I, I'm not pro-homosexuality. We don't have any gay leaders in our troop, not that... Give me the bottom line, Dave. You're, you're eating up all my time. I love you, man, but give me the answer in 20 seconds or less. Kids got to get out there and get out in the woods. It's good for them, and the parents have changed. Parental involvement is key. You know, when you have a lot of parents involved, you'll have more scouts. And it's, there's a lot of different factors. It's not just one thing. Thank you very much. More coming up on this in just a moment. Join the conversation right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes for you here on Good Morning Orlando. I think with the Boy Scouts losing membership, we may have a different kind of kid today. We talked about that. I also think whether it is right or wrong, I think it is real. When they open the door to openly gay scouts and scout masters in particular, they were accommodating a minority and turning off the majority who say, I'm not comfortable with my kids in that particular environment. And then they've got a Catholic priest-type scandal going on with sexual abuse cases that they've apparently hidden for years from the public. So there is that as well. But now your take on what's causing the market decline and perhaps leading to the extinction of the Boy Scout movement in this country. Glenn from Moss Park, good morning to you, my friend. Hey, what's up, bud? Listen, this this is a real good topic, and I and I appreciate you bringing it on. But real quickly, three points of why this is all happening. Thirty years ago, you have to remember that all scout groups were supported by churches. They were sponsored by churches, okay? And about 25 years ago, they decided that their membership was not progressive enough, and they started to make changes. Well, as they've made these changes and allowed all these things to happen from the political correct side of it yeah. churches have now pulled away from the boy scouts which was primarily a christian organization yeah the mormon churches pulled out completely and they were a oh. huge player in the boy scouts absolutely and that was their big one of their largest financial backers so what has happened is they've gone too far they've overcorrected far too much 
and the, the larger population of Christianity that was actually supporting the Boy Scouts actually with memberships and financially has said, no, we're not going to support them because of these changes. And if they continue on this track, the Boy Scouts, as we know them right now, will not exist in about three more years. I want to get Melissa in on this in just a moment. Uh, thank you, Glenn, very much. Three years and out, huh? Wow. Curtis, you're in Orlando. Interesting. Um, apparently, you've got some kids in the neighborhood who are Eagle Scouts. Love the Eagle Scouts. Go ahead. Good morning, bud. Um, yeah, my next-door neighbors, um, uh, they like family. Uh, we, you know, we were there when the kids were born all, and uh, all through now they, uh, in college. Um, uh, they received their, they threw the Cub Scouts. Their parents were involved uh, as scout leaders. They received the Eagle Scouts uh, at, uh, both at 14 years old. Um, they, they just learned discipline, courtesy, respect, you know, God. It's, a, it's a great thing and still a great program, but why are the Scouts appealing to fewer and fewer young people and their parents? Like, like the, you, you, you called it just a minute ago, it's about the politically correct, uh, correct people. They're forcing uh, things on us that we don't agree with. Yep, I agree with you 100%, and you get to say as to what organizations your kids are a part of, no doubt about it. Before we go to Melissa for her take on this, she's in for Steph and screening calls this morning. I have an assistant scoutmaster on the line. David, good morning from all of us. Your thoughts on what's killing or who's killing or both the Boy Scouts. Hey, good morning, bud. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to take you back on uh, some something one of the other uh, someone said. Um, I think there's a misconception uh, among a lot of parents as well that, that these changes that the Boy Scouts of America are making are mandated. Um, are what you know, the, the changes are what that, that are mandated? They're they're mandated changes. Like like all the charter organizations have to uh, have to go along with all these changes, but that's not true. The uh, the churches have a choice whether or not to accept uh, both both girls, uh, right. uh, gays, into into. All right, and David, uh, David, please, please, you may be right. I don't know, but tell me this: What's killing the Boy Scouts? Do you have a final thought on that? Because they're clearly I think, dying. I, I think a big part of it is the misconception among parents. You know, they, they think that they don't want to put their kids in. Well, the then they got a messaging problem. They better get to it or they're going to be gone. Listen, uh, Melissa, what are your thoughts on this? I think they should never let girls join in and, and all this weird stuff that's going on. I mean, there's girls' opportunities, but you uh, you had the openly gay ban lifted in 2014, and then adults were allowed to be scout leaders. Like you said, that, that's got to leave some parents you know, a little concerned. Who's teaching my kids? But in the same year, they said you can get, the girls can join now, too, and they can go all the way to Eagle Scout. Yeah. But we had programs set up for girls. I was a Girl Scout. I was a Brownie the whole run. Yeah. You know, and... That, yeah, the gir- and the Girl Scouts are suing the Boy Scouts because for the Boy Scouts are allowing girls in right now and, and wiping out their unique identity. All right, it's a, it's a complicated story. Great input all around from the gang here and from you on the other side of the radio on the 50,000-watt front porch, and we thank you for it. Good morning, Orlando, from the whole team here on the 50,000-watt front porch. My new co-host, Alan Spector, in now with a news update, breaking news on Michael Cohen within the hour. President Trump's former lawyer is breaking his silence after being sentenced to three years in federal prison. Michael Cohen sat down with George Stephanopoulos for an interview that aired this morning on ABC's Good Morning America and said everything he did was at the direction of the president. He's saying very clearly that he never directed you to do anything wrong. Is that true? I don't think there's anybody that believes that. First of all, nothing at the Trump organization was ever done unless it was run through Mr. Trump. 
Cohen told Stephanopoulos then-candidate Trump was well aware of the hush money payments made to a porn star and a Playboy playmate. I gave loyalty to someone who truthfully does not deserve loyalty. He was trying to hide what you were doing, correct? Correct. And he knew it was wrong? Of course. Cohen was sentenced this week after pleading guilty to tax fraud, lying to Congress, banking fraud, and violations of campaign finance laws. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The state of Florida executed Jose Antonio Jimenez by lethal injection last night. That came 26 years after he viciously stabbed a woman to death during a burglary in Miami-Dade County. The execution took place at 9.48 p.m. It had been scheduled for 6, but was delayed by a last-minute request to the U.S. Supreme Court to stay the execution, which was turned down. Romaine lettuce, grown in Florida, is safe to eat, but the CDC is warning folks not to eat romaine lettuce grown in another part of the country. In an updated warning about the recent E. coli outbreak involving romaine lettuce, the CDC says people need to make sure that their lettuce hasn't come from the central coast growing regions of northern and central California. If there isn't a label telling consumers where the lettuce came from, people should not eat it. Romaine lettuce grown in Arizona, California's Imperial and Riverside counties, Florida and Mexico is safe to eat. A total of 59 people so far have been sickened in this latest E. coli outbreak. Mark Mayfield, NBC News Radio. Geez, Alan, I thought it was in the clear. This was all over. I had a Caesar <laughs> salad at the station Christmas party the other day. We were assured that lettuce was safe. Yeah, okay. All right. I think I'm all right. You know, we'll I, see. I was in Publix last night yeah. actually buying some bagged salad, and they have signs up saying, a, this romaine lettuce was grown in areas approved by uh, the FDA. Yeah, I so. didn't even ask the question at the restaurant, but I guess I'm okay. Otherwise, somebody else will be hosting the show today, right? Right. <laughs> okay, what else is going on? Well, the Magic are making the most of their trip south of the border so far. Last night, they kicked off the NBA's Mexico City Series with a 97-91 to win over the Chicago Bulls, ending a three-game losing streak. Orlando head coach Steve Clifford says this was another hard-fought victory for his club away from home. For whatever reason, we've been we've played better on the road than we have at home. I think tonight was typical of that. I don't think it was a, necessarily a pretty game to watch, but both teams fought hard. You know, our guys fought there at the end. They made a lot of big plays, both offensively and defensively. The Magic have another game tomorrow in Mexico City as they host the Utah Jazz. And elsewhere, bud... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to update a story we talked about first thing this morning, a crackling fire that smells like fried chicken is proving irresistible to many Americans, including Bud Hedinger. i got to go get one of these things. Well, I'm not sure if you can. Oh, come on now. KFC's limited edition 11 Herbs and Spices Fire Log sold out <laughs> online in just hours yesterday <laughs> at eighteen ninety nine a pop, including tax and shipping. The fast food chain claims the holiday logs smell just like the Colonel's original recipe fried chicken. KFC limited the sale of the five-pound logs to one per customer. It also billed the offer as good while supplies last. Please tell me you get like six of these for 18 bucks, not one log, for crying out loud. Well, Can I get them in the store? I was going to detour on the way home. You know, I was checking our... Melissa, is it available in the store? They say so, but I'll check your Castleberry location. All okay. right. Yeah. <laughs> i got to have one of Let's these. Let's get the colonel on the phone. I'm not the, I don't eat their fried chicken hardly at <laughs> all, but I just, I'm fascinated with the idea that they're going this route with fire logs. I missed that. What did you say? I said, let's get the colonel on the phone, and then <laughs> Melissa said, which, which one? Which one? Reba? Uh, Jason Alexander? <laughs> I, I'd like to talk to Norm McDonald, if yes, you don't mind. Norm is good. <laughs> I think he's out of business. All right. <laughs> 
Go ahead. A letter that Abraham Lincoln wrote just before Christmas of 1863 is up for sale. The Rob Collection estimates the letter's worth $60,000 and is offering it this week on its website. It was to allow a husband and wife safe passage to their home in Arkansas. It asks all those loyal to the U.S. not to hinder them in their journey. The wife was the first cousin of Mary Todd Lincoln, and it was the wife's descendants who kept the letter. And, of course, that would have been in the middle of the Civil War, right? right? In Arkansas, would have been, you know, had to go down through the Confederacy here, you know. I got a letter from Abe Lincoln. Holy smokes. Let me through. Boy, that's historic. And one more for you, bud. Yeah. A suspected burglar is finally freed after getting stuck in the grease trap of a restaurant for two days. (laughs) Oh, man. Police in San Lorenzo, California, found the trespasser while following up on reports of noises and a voice coming from the roof of a vacant Chinese restaurant. The trespasser was found inside a rooftop grease vent covered by thick cooking oils. Firefighters managed to pull him out, and he's in custody. They say he was not seriously injured, but is in need of a bath. I imagine he'll also be rethinking his life of crime, and he's going to have some time to think about it. (laughs) Good Lord, can you imagine? What a mess. Are we done? Yeah. Oh, we've been giving away Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert tickets to the Amway Center. Their big concert's tomorrow night. And you have some for me? Thanks, bud. I do not, but you have to resign and and, and, and see Brenda Snipes for notes because you can't unresign once you resign. We've been talking about, no, 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 no. We've got to have you right here, and you're ineligible. Final two free tickets to tomorrow's Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas concert at the Amway Center. Up for grabs. It's a Christmas music edition of Sound Judgment coming up. Your eligible gang, company rules, not mine, to win if you haven't won Sound Judgment in a month. Toll-free is still open, 866-916-5400, 407-916-5400 on the main line. Sound Judgment next, and Trans-Siberian Orchestra tickets on the line. Get to that right after we get to this. An update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. I'll have it for you in two minutes. Stick around if you can here on Good Morning Orlando. All right, Yaffe's given us 10 seconds of the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. You're going to have a couple of hours of it at the Amway Center tomorrow if you win our sound judgment game. Melissa, let's talk about that fabulous prize. Oh, it's so awesome. It's the Ghosts of Christmas Past. The Trans-Siberian Orchestra's got two shows tomorrow. It's their winter tour at Amway Center. We've got two passes to give away as soon as you get somebody to win. All right, and the 50,000-watt front porch is filled to overflowing with contestants who want to win, so you can't get in because the lines are busy, right? Stop pounding the steering wheel. Listen closely. If we get a wrong answer and it happens, we'll open up a line for you. Grab it quickly at 407-916-5400. So with our final two free tickets to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert on the line, time for another Christmas music edition of our Sound Judgment Game. We need you to give Perry Como a little help singing Frosty the Snowman. Listen to some sound of Perry singing this Christmas classic. And when Yaffe stops the music, you take over and sing the rest of the line. Get all those words right. You're going to be our winner. Roll it. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. For when they placed it on his head. What happened line one? He began to dance around. Hmm, let's listen and verify that, Yaffe. He began to dance around. Game over. The last two tickets to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra go to you, my friend. Are you excited? 
Yes, very much so. Today's my birthday. Oh, my goodness. How about you? Merry Christmas and a happy birthday. What's your first Thank name? You. I'll write you a little congratulatory birthday note. Tom. Tom from where? Point Siena. Point Siena. Listening Solita. to us down in beautiful Osceola County. Solavita. Polk County. I know it well. Polk County, actually? Okay, I w- that's interesting. I didn't know that. I always thought of that as... Over in Osceola County. I've only been here 30 years. You'd think I'd know that by now, right? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, listen, Tom, thanks for being a part of our show. I'm glad you uh, you tune in to Good Morning Orlando. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and a Merry Christmas to you and your family, okay? Now, don't go away. Here's what we need to do. I'm going to put you on hold, and uh, you and Melissa will make the arrangements. Okay, Tom? Okay, thank you. you don't go away, buddy. I'm going to put you on hold right now. Closing in on Christmas. I love how Yaffe puts it all together with our Christmas music here to kind of keep the spirit running through the three hours of whatever we're talking about with the finest audience in talk radio on the 50,000 Watt Front Porch. One hour to go. I am really red hot over something um, relating to... uh, Uh, Governor-elect Ron DeSantis, whom I vigorously supported uh, to succeed Rick Scott. And thank goodness he defeated the leftist Andrew Gillum just by a whisker here and will be taking office in January. Um, However, I have a big problem with his approach to the uh, recently passed Amendment 4 on restoring the voting rights of convicted felons who have done their time for the crime. I think he had it right with his reaction to the foot-dragging on implementing medical marijuana fully passed by the voters in 2016 as a constitutional amendment, and he should have that same approach to Amendment 4 this time around, but he clearly does not. We'll talk about it with you and see what you think. So stay tuned on that score. Um, You know, you can listen to us all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways to get us right here on Good Morning Orlando, the iHeartRadio app I've been talking about. It's available from the App Store on iPhones or from the Google Play Store and Android phones. It's a free download. Just search WFLA Orlando. And listen online at WFLAOrlando.com. Just click on the Listen Live on iHeartRadio link at the top of the page. Oh, More exciting news. It's Free Movie Friday here on Good Morning Orlando. Thanks to Adam Tickets, here's your chance to win free movie tickets. Lots of new flicks coming out this weekend in advance of Christmas. You can text them now at Adam Tickets to put yourself in the running for free tickets. Text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1. That's 28661 for your chance to win. And you need to check out that Adam's Ticket app. It's an amazing tool. That's where you go to browse movie titles buy tickets, and more. Happy Free Movie Friday from all of us here on Good Morning Orlando. My new co-host and our newsman, Alan Spector, updating everything for you at the top of the hour, and then we'll get into what's grinding the Budman's gears with Governor-elect Ron DeSantis. I want to see what you think. That's coming up right after Alan's news check. He'll have more on the investigation into the Trump inauguration team 
and big-time Thursday night football drama. Good morning from us all at 7.59. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us here for our 8 o'clock update here on the Friday edition of the show as we check Orlando's news, weather, and traffic again. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA-FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, the president's former lawyer goes public. Details coming up in one minute. DeSantis right on implementing medical marijuana, but wrong on implementing the restoration of felons' voting rights. My take and yours next on Good Morning Orlando. 802 on News Radio 93.1. President Trump's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, is on TV this morning breaking his silence after being sentenced to three years in prison for illegal hush money payments and bank and tax fraud. Cohen sat down with George Stephanopoulos for an interview airing on ABC's Good Morning America. He explained his role in the hush money payment made to Trump's alleged alleged mistresses, Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. He directed me to make the payments. He directed me to become involved in these matters, including the one with McDougal, which was really between him and David Pecker and then David Pecker's counsel. I just reviewed the documents. Pecker, of course, uh, involved with the National Enquirer. Cohen said he never did anything during the Trump campaign without Trump himself knowing about it. He also stressed that Trump knew paying off women to stay quiet about alleged affairs ahead of the election was wrong. Two weeks or so before the election, post the Billy Bush comments. So, yes, he was very concerned about how this would affect the election. Before his sentencing on Wednesday, Cohen said he covered up Trump's dirty deeds because of his blind loyalty to him. He's been ordered to report to a federal prison in March. And we are monitoring the Twitter account out of the White House of one President Donald Trump for reaction. Nothing yet. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. An online bomb threat hoax spread nationwide, including right here in central Florida yesterday. In Seminole County, several schools were placed on lockdown after a threat was emailed to a nearby business. The email said a bomb in the business's building would be detonated unless the company sent $20,000 in Bitcoin. Similar emails went to other local businesses, including the Bank of America Center Tower on Orange Avenue downtown and the Orlando Science Center. But those threats were determined to be fake. The president of the Florida Senate says embattled Broward County Election Supervisor Brenda Snipes will not be getting a hearing from the state legislature and is out of a job. Brenda Snipes submitted a letter of resignation November 18th, effective January 4th. She rescinded that letter after the governor suspended her from office on December 3rd. But Senator Bill Galvano says Snipes lost the right to withdraw her resignation as soon as the governor took action. And so once you you had that activity occur, a new uh, supervisor was appointed, the ability to just rescind and and go back uh, was lost. Snipes became a poster child for electoral dysfunction in Florida because of slow vote counts in Broward County. In Tallahassee, Rick Flagg, News Radio 93.1, WFLA. UCF says a new program will help students graduate in less time and with less debt. The school announced this week that the Constellation Fund will offer an extra $40 million in scholarship money over the next few years. And over the next month or so, UCF will come up with a plan for distributing that money. A stunning finish on Thursday night football as the Chargers came from behind for a 29-28 win over the Chiefs at Kansas City. San Diego quarterback Phillip Rivers hit Mike Williams with a one-yard TD pass with four seconds left, and then he found Williams again for the two-point conversion to win it. Williams said he was wide open on the two-pointer. 
They was double-teaming me uh, every time I was in the slot, almost every time down there. So on that one, they both left me wide open. So I was like, I'll take it and win the game. I'll take it. The Chargers and Chiefs <laughs> are tied atop the AFC West at 11-3. and three. Both teams have clinched playoff berths. It was a gutsy call to go for two. They're going to lose by one or win the game. No overtime. I could have caught that pass. There was like nobody around. It was amazing. WFLA News time is 8.06. Body camera video shows an officer stopping a girl from jumping in front of a train. And you can watch that video online at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Alan Spector, and Michael Yaffe on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Alan Spector's our new co-host here on the 50,000-watt front porch and hanging around when his news duties permit to weigh in on some of the hot topics we're talking about. We're going to get into this. I praised Governor-elect Ron DeSantis, and I voted for him, and I'm, I'm excited that he's going to be the next governor, when he said, listen, let's, the Scott administration, stop dragging our feet on implementing fully the medical marijuana amendment that was passed by the people overwhelmingly. And he says, we're not, we're going to end those fights. We're not going to do that. Well, now, all of a sudden, he's dragging his feet on the implementation of the restoration of felons' voting rights that we all voted for, 65% here as a constitutional amendment, Amendment 4. And I'm not going to let him get away with it. All right, bud. <laughs> <laughs> you go get him. I'm fired up. And uh, <laughs> along with Alan Yaffe, our executive producer, Melissa, in for Steph screening calls. If you want to weigh in on this, and some of you are not going to like my take on that, and that's fine. I welcome, unlike a lot of talk show hosts, opposing points of view. 407-916-5400. Toll free 866 5400, text line 23680, or standard message and data rate supply. I think this is an important story, and it's going to be controversial what I have to say on it, and I definitely want reaction and input from the smartest audience in talk radio. It's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250 keyword real estate. We'll dive in on that right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you on Good Morning Orlando. I'm excited about Ron DeSantis becoming the next governor here. He's a good man. I voted for him. I also voted for Amendment 4, which was approved by nearly 65% of the voters in Florida on election night 2018. That's more than 5.2 million Floridians, and it calls for a restoration of the voting rights of convicted felons, with a few exceptions, once they have paid their debt to society and done their time for the crime, okay? I also praised Ron DeSantis when recently he said, we're going to end all of the obstruction and we're going to end all the foot-dragging by Rick Scott and the legislature on on on, on not fully implementing the medical marijuana uh, amendment that was passed in 2016 by more than 70% of the voters here. Um, Listen, we have a system, and we want to change the system of constitutional amendments? Fine, let's do that. But we have a system. We vote on these amendments, and the ones that get 60% or more get enshrined in the Constitution. Bang, that's it. The governor, the legislature has no further role. That's the system. 
This is the expressed will of we, the people, the voters of Florida, and it is not to be thwarted. And I like when Ron DeSantis said we're not going to play those games anymore with medical marijuana foot dragging. Now he's fine with foot dragging on implementing Amendment 4 that he didn't like during the campaign. He says, I don't support automatic restoration of voting rights, which, by the way, is the way it's done in almost every state in the country. He says, I'm going to be very tough on crime, but I'm never going to budge on that. Okay, again, the people spoke. I'm all about we, the people, and the will of the people with our system of constitutional amendments. That's my problem on this. He is now saying that he doesn't want this implemented until the legislature looks at the details on how to implement it and passes a bill that he can sign. That means it will be delayed at least until March because the session, the legislature, doesn't begin until early March. Here we have the governor-elect doing the right thing on the medical marijuana amendment and, in my opinion, doing the wrong thing on Amendment 4 here. And that's my take on it. 407-916-5400. Toll-free 866-916-5400. Text line 23680. Do you understand where I'm coming from on this? I'm sorry. The people spoke. The legislature and the governor, get out of the way. And this is not complicated. It's a simple thing. The prison system, the, the criminal justice system, they have a record when somebody has completely paid their debt to society. It's very easy to determine when someone goes to register to vote who was a convicted felon whether or not they are now eligible under Amendment 4. It's not complicated. Now, no matter what the issue is, Bud, whether it's medical marijuana or felons' rights, I mean, once we vote for an amendment, that changes the Constitution. And that's the law at that point. Yes. I don't care if Ron DeSantis likes it or not. Neither do I. It's that's the law, so let's go. There you go. Yaffe, you and I have talked about this. Yeah, do you think this will go to the courts? I can't imagine a judge upholding this, you know, delaying this. I hope not. That Well, I, I, I think I, maybe it will. Maybe there'll be a judge's ruling on it. But we have a system here, okay? Yeah. I'm not here to debate with you the merits of Amendment 4 or medical marijuana. The debate is when we pass a constitutional amendment, That's the expressed will of we the people, and no one is to get in the way of it. And that is exactly what they've been doing with medical marijuana, and it's exactly right now what Governor-elect DeSantis and the legislature is is doing with Amendment 4. That is the crux of the debate, gang. If you don't like the constitutional amendment system, let's get that changed. But this is what we have here, and this is what needs to be done the will of the people without obstruction and delay. Melissa, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I was laughing at the Orlando Sentinel. They had an article today that said, just go ahead on January 8th and register anyway, you people. Well, I think they should. Because the amendment, by all means, should be going into effect, period. Absolutely. Yeah, what's with politicians not doing what voters want? When did that start? (laughs) Gee whiz. Uh, I mean, (laughs) forever. Forever. (laughs) Anyway. So we've had our say, but I haven't heard from you yet. I think Lon's really madder than Hob at the Budman here. So we'll get to you next. Cool off, Ron, on the 50,000-watt front porch. I'll take you first. If you want to weigh in, do you understand what I'm talking about here? And do you agree with me? If you believe we're a nation of laws, if you believe in the Constitution at the federal level and the state level here, if you are all about the will of the people, we the people being done, you have to support my stand on this. 407 916 
5400 and call the governor and call your lawmakers on it. 407-916-5400, text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. This is not a partisan political issue for me. The people's will be done in these constitutional amendments. I mean, why do we have a constitutional amendment process in the first place if all of a sudden when something gets passed that the legislature doesn't like or the governor or governor-elect doesn't like, suddenly they decide that there needs to be delay, that they need to get involved. They don't need to get involved. Lon, you're in Orlando. Good morning, and thanks for waiting. You're on with the Bud Man. Go ahead, Lon. Good morning, Bud. Am yeah. I, can you hear me? Oh, I do. Oh, okay, thanks. Uh, listen, um, uh, two things. Uh, one, they're going to delay this to 2020 uh, because you are a very influential man. I listen to you every morning. And, in fact, I've met you twice at different functions across the years. And um, what Amendment 4 does, it will unleash 1.3 million felons in Florida alone. And the late, I'm a forensic accountant, so I'm always looking into uh, – you know, uh, people who are doing bad things. And the unions are organizing these people, and they'll, they'll register to vote. They'll never have to go to the polls. The union teams will go around, get the proper signatures. and um, Lon, and the- I get it that you don't like Amendment 4, but do you understand the people spoke, and everyone else needs to get out of the way, and it gets implemented? It's going to be in the Constitution on the 8th of January. Yeah, I, I understand that. Okay. And we'll we'll never this will never vote for a Republican president or governor again. Thanks, thanks, but but I'll still well, listen to. You well, for, Lon, I appreciate it. We can't agree on everything. Almost every state in the union, immediate, automatic restoration of voting rights once for some felon who has paid their debt to society. You know, and it's as simple as that, Yaffe. I've said it countless times. If Lon owes the Bud Man a thousand dollars. He pays his debt to the Bud Man. I get a check for $1,000. I don't come back to him and say you have not fully paid your debt to the Bud Man. You've done it. He made an interesting point, though. He, I don't think he realized he did it, but I think that's why uh, DeSantis is delaying this is because they're afraid of the politics behind all this, which is wrong. You know, this is above politics. It should be. What are the texters saying? Uh, because, you know, I've got very strong feelings on this, and I'm making some people unhappy, but others may see it my way. Uh, yeah, well, some people do, but some people don't. One person said there are more important things we need to address with our state government than restoring convicts' rights. So it feels like it's not even a big issue right now. Another person said much ado about nothing. No election between now and March. Go ahead and register. So it thinks it will be done by March. Yeah, but what about that one I'm seeing out of the corner of my eye here about I greatly respect what you're saying, bud man. It's yeah. not a partisan issue. Yeah, it says, we the people voted for Amendment 4. If an amendment passed banning abortion and a Democrat was doing what the governor is doing, would all these people that are okay with DeSantis doing this now be okay then? Probably not. It's sort of pointing out the hypocrisy. Well, there's plenty of that to go around. Spirited debate, gang. All right, good deal. Good morning, Orlando. So glad you're with us here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Half an hour to go. One more red-hot topic for your consideration, but my co-host Alan Spector's here, particularly for those of you just joining us, to get you up to date on the news and the breaking news involving Trump's old lawyer, Michael Cohen, and uh, you have the latest. That's right, bud. Mr. Cohen is breaking his silence on network TV. 
After being sentenced to three years in federal prison, Michael Cohen sat down with George Stephanopoulos for an interview. It aired today on ABC's Good Morning America. Cohen said everything he did was at the direction of the president. He's saying very clearly that he never directed you to do anything wrong. Is that true? I don't think there's anybody that believes that. First of all, nothing at the Trump organization was ever done unless it was run through Mr. Trump. Cohen told Stephanopoulos then-candidate Trump was well aware of the hush money payments made to a porn star and a Playboy playmate. I gave loyalty to someone who truthfully does not deserve loyalty. He was trying to hide what you were doing, correct? Correct. And he knew it was wrong? Of course. Cohen was sentenced this week to three years in prison after pleading guilty to tax fraud, lying to Congress, banking fraud, and violations of campaign finance laws. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A killer was executed by lethal injection last night at Florida State Prison in Stark. 55-year-old Jose Jimenez was condemned for the brutal stabbing death of a woman during a burglary in her Miami-Dade apartment in 1992. The sentence of the state of Florida versus Jose Jimenez was carried out at 9.48 p.m. The execution took place without incident. He had no last statement. That's correction spokeswoman Michelle Gladdy. The execution was delayed for more than three hours for a last-minute appeal for a stay to the U.S. Supreme Court, and that was denied. In my world, the execution was delayed for a quarter century. How many years ago did he commit this crime? 26 years ago. Jeez. Mm. A heads-up for drivers in downtown Orlando this weekend. Princeton Street under I-4 is closing starting at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. That'll run through 5 o'clock Monday morning. And that's to allow crews to remove portions of the old I-4 bridge over Princeton. All eastbound and westbound I-4 ramps at that interchange will remain open. The CDC is warning folks not to eat romaine lettuce if they don't know where it came from. In an updated warning about a recent E. coli outbreak on romaine, the CDC said you need to make sure your lettuce has not come from the central coast growing regions of northern and central California. And if there isn't a label telling you where the lettuce came from, don't eat it. Nick Vucevic scored 26 points, including the go-ahead jumper with 28 seconds left as the Orlando Magic edged the Chicago Bulls 97-91 in Mexico City. Vucevic also grabbed 10 rebounds in the win south of the border. We knew this trip wasn't going to be easy. I know the Bulls, we know that they had a tough week behind them, and we knew knew that we were going to regroup and try to play better, which they did. It was a tough game, not a lot of scoring, uh, but we found a way at the end. It was a a good win for us, you know, maybe can put us back on track, and uh, we can focus now on uh, Utah for Saturday. The Magic snapped a three-game slide, and as Nick said, they'll play again in Mexico City tomorrow against the Utah Jazz. Elsewhere, bud. What's going on? A firm called Splash Data is releasing its list of the worst passwords for 2018. Can you guess what tops the list? No, I can't, but passwords drive me crazy, you know? Just go ahead. Well, the number one worst password of the year, one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Yeah, nobody else is going to be able to figure that out and break into your stuff. Well, believe it or not, 3% of the people worldwide are still using that. The list is compiled from leaked passwords, and most of the data comes from Europeans and North Americans. Newcomers on the list of the 25 worst passwords are Donald, Princess, Sunshine, and 1111111. Six ones. This is crazy. You know, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, I... I can't keep all these passwords in my head, and you don't want to write them down. It kind of defeats the purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I can't tell you the number of times when I have to go through the forgot your password 
question right. that they give you? Because mm-hmm. I can't remember what it is. The second worst password, by the way, according to the survey, is a repeat favorite password. <laughs> a, <laughs> Captain Obvious is using that one. Huh? A okay. passenger flying into John F. Kennedy International Airport in New York City over the weekend was caught trying to smuggle live animals into the country from South America. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says an agriculture specialist found over 70 live birds that had been placed inside women's hair rollers that were being carried in a large black duffel bag. Oh, geez. The birds were identified as finches. They were confiscated from the passenger and quarantined before being transported for veterinary services. All he needed to say was emotional support birds. Come on now, let me on this plane. And another news for the birds, Bud, the Spanish port town of Cadiz is planning to ban pigeons because the birds are constantly terrorizing residents and tourists. Local authorities say they plan to catch 5,000 of the pigeons and release them 170 miles away. The current population of over 9,000 pigeons overwhelms the populace by perusing restaurant tables, fluttering around patrons, and flying inside of buildings and businesses. (laughs) Now, last month, Rome addressed their bird issue by using falcons to drive out thousands of starlings. Did it work? Apparently. Well, how about that? But now they have a problem with falcons. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever remember being bullied when you were a kid? Uh, I was bullied a couple of times. Yeah, yes, 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 Bully, yes. Being bullied, you know, by by it. But when I grew up, being bullied involved some big, obnoxious kid coming up to you and punching you in the nose, or in the winter time, washing your face with snow, or beating the you know what out of you. Bullying ain't what it used to be. Ask a teacher who's been fired for what supposedly was bullying students. I'm telling you, the wimpification of America is almost complete, Alan, and we've got the story coming up here in a moment. It involves the Pledge of Allegiance, okay? (laughs) Stay tuned on this, gang. Uh, I'm going to catch your hair on fire just in time for us to depart for the weekend. Sweet. You'll want to weigh in on this. It's coming up. It's Good Morning Orlando, the Friday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. That's right after this. An update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. Here is the almost unbelievable saga of a substitute high school teacher in the public school system somewhere in Missouri by the name of 66-year-old Jim Firkin. He has been fired. He was almost a daily presence in the schools as a substitute teacher for years. Why was he fired? Because they said that some students, a couple of them complained that when everyone in the class said this Pledge of Allegiance, which I guess they do daily, that the teacher bullied them for not standing for the pledge. Listen to his story. The PA announcer says, uh, please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. So I come, let's go. Kids get up. In this particular case, 24 kids in class, 22 got up. You know, so I say thank you very much, all of you that participated. I appreciate that. And I'm sure all those families that lost loved ones so that we could have the freedoms that we have today would appreciate that too. And that's what I said. Two of the kids who didn't stand said they felt humiliated 
by what the teachers said. He said nothing about them failing to stand. He simply praised those who did and said how much that would be appreciated by those who have served and lost lives, uh, loved ones in service to this country. They went to the principal and they said, we were just bullied by Mr. Firkin. And they fired Mr. Firkin. That's the worst Firkin reason I've ever heard. That is the worst Firkin reason (laughs) I've ever heard, (laughs) Alan. You went there. I had Uh, to. I had to. Here I am sitting on my hands. (laughs) If that is bullying, all is lost. If that is what the up-and-coming generation considers bullying, the wimpification of America will end up destroying its greatness when these become the people who vote and who rule this country. That's not bullying. Those bullying, socialists. Bullying is if Firkin walks over to those two kids, grabs them by the earlobes or the hair, and drags them up to their feet and reads them the riot act about patriotism. By the way, the school mascot name of that high school is the Patriots. Believe it or not. How ironic. <laughs> Can you even believe this, Yaffe? Do you believe what's going on? He was fired for bullying these kids. He never said anything derogatory. All he did when they didn't stand was praise all the rest of the kids, 22 out of 24, who stood for the Pledge of Allegiance. And they felt humiliated. They were bullied. Is it, is it weird? I kind of wish they were bullied. I mean, I kind of wish he would have said something to them. Hey, stand up. What are you doing? Well, he didn't. And I know, more, he, was, he was nicer than I would have been, is yeah. my point. And you know what? <laughs> he is clearly a patriot. Listen to Mr. Firkin here um, about honoring the flag. That flag is not to be taken for granted, in my opinion. Uh, it's a, it is our symbol of freedom. And indeed, it is. And they're staying on the ground, the school district there. He went before him and explained the whole thing. I they stand for Firkin. Yeah. How about it, Yaffe? Oh, yeah. You'll stand for Firkin, too? Anybody else? Yes. Let's stand for Firkin. Yeah, Alan, anybody? 407-916-5400. Toll-free, 866-916-5400. Text line 23680. With standard message and data rate supply. What would you say to the school board in Missouri that fired this long-time, well-regarded substitute teacher? What would you say to those kids who felt they had been bullied by their teacher because... They felt bad when he praised everyone who stood for the pledge, and they didn't want to. It's not mandated that you have to stand for the pledge, by the way. And he knows that, and he did not uh, denigrate those kids. But they said they were bullied anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure he should have said anything, but what? it was not grounds for dismissal, and it was not bullying. Amen to that. Anybody? Last shot on the 50,000-watt front porch, 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680 or standard message, and data rates apply. If that's bullying, (laughs) it'll be the end of America as we know it when those kids grow up and others like them, if that's bullying. Mm. You know, in Budtopia, where everything is the way I want it to be, and hence immeasurably better than it is in reality... In Budtopia, a teacher doesn't get fired supposedly for bullying because he praises the kids who stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and the two who don't feel humiliated go to the administration and say, I've been bullied. 
It doesn't happen in Budtopia, and I'll bet it doesn't happen in your topia either. Incredible. We got any texters weighing in on this? You got some folks who are wondering where this is and what grade is high school, and it's somewhere in Missouri. Okay, it's it, that's where it is, but it could happen here. Probably has happened here. Uh, Melissa, you were saying when you grew up on Nantucket, uh, you know, off the coast of uh, of Massachusetts, yeah. you're pretty patriotic there, and everybody was in for it. Well, yeah, we did. Not only was I saying America the Beautiful, we sang that. We also occasionally sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic. You know, my eyes have seen the glory. Glory, glory, hallelujah. The coming of the Lord. Wow. And then this, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. And we would stand for like 10 minutes at the beginning of school every huh. day. Yeah, if you used to sing patriotic songs, I mean, I mean we, all, I think we, we all did the Pledge of Allegiance every day. We did the National Anthem. We didn't have to sing, but we would have to stand for the National Anthem and then do the pledge. Never the Battle Hymn of the Republic. That That's interesting. That's a tough one to sing. You know, I, I, I don't know it. all the I words. Love <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I mean, it's just awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, we actually married church and, and school. It was weird. But... Wow. Now, that's <laughs> interesting because Nantucket's part of Massachusetts, right? Yes. Man, we... Nas- Massachusetts, long the land of the liberals. I mean, back to the Kennedys, so way before you. But in Nantucket, is there a pocket of conservatism? Is that why they ban them and send them out to the island? Is that what happens there? It might be, because I was raised with a bunch <laughs> of Kennedy-hating Republicans, uh, not just my immediate family. And to keep you offshore, right? Yeah, yeah like, you, <laughs> 32 miles at sea, go. <laughs> wow. Okay. That'll do it. Um, heavy weather coming in here. Anything else we need to get into, Yaffe? Have I missed anything here? You're usually really anxious to point that out. Well, I posted a bunch of stuff on the website, yes. including the fact that you were on Samantha B show, where yep. you you had an appearance on there. It wasn't they you grabbed live, they grabbed uh, my 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 television hit on Fox thirty five yeah. one morning, you know, and she's this really nasty liberal Samantha B and the Budman bastion of conservative thinking winds up on Samantha B and it's amazing and she actually complimented me. <laughs> yes, she Where did. Where do folks get to see that? You need to see the video. <laughs> yeah, Don't gonna, you be reasonable uh, in that tone of voice. <laughs> that's what she said. Go to WFLAOrlando.com. Click on the Good Morning Orlando tab. It's up there. She actually compliments you which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, <laughs> to be honest. You might I have to was, rethink your position. I was shocked. I am getting emails <laughs> and calls from old friends, you know, who, who somehow watched that show at night. And the last show I'd ever expect for the Budman to get any props would be on Samantha B's show I figured, on, 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 on TBS. I figured she was going to bash you, and she didn't. No, no. You see that? I'm not going to stop until everybody... Sees the world the way I do, You're right? Going national, bud. Yeah, we're not done yet here in Budtopia, and I'll tell you what: there's nothing like being on with you every morning, three to make that six to nine, and we'll do it again on Monday. And thank you. Until then, have a great week. Thank you. God bless you, and God bless America.